Hi, this is Pastor James Strickland, and you are listening to our sermon cast for Holman Park Baptist Church. In today's message, we see Jesus continue his healing miracles by healing Peter's mother-in-law, who is very sick with a high fever. Then Jesus, after that, healed many demon-possessed people and healed the sick. Was Jesus showing off to, to do that? Not necessarily. I mean, it was pretty amazing he was doing that. But the reason he was doing all these miracles was to back up the claim that he was the long-awaited Messiah. He did that by the way he lived his life, the way he came into this world, the way he died for our sins, and the way he was resurrected. And every one of the over 300 prophecies that he fulfilled. Folks, you can trust Jesus with your greatest needs today. Because he is who he said he is. And he proved who he was, not only in what he said, but in what he did. He is the fulfillment of what we have been waiting for. So I find it intriguing here that Jesus chooses to continue the lesson he was teaching with the leper, the lawman, and now with the in-law. I'm not surprised that Jesus healed her. It just surprised me that, well, quite honestly, that it made it in the Scripture. Because we know that every word of Scripture is breathed by God. It is inspired by God. It is the inerrant and infallible Word of God. So it was in here for the reason. And we need to figure out what that reason is. This means that the healing of this mother-in-law was important. As a matter of fact, it was so important that Mark and Luke also included this in their writings. So, as we begin, I'll go ahead and say that this is not a time to bash mother-in-laws. I love my mother-in-law dearly. But I do want to tell you about one pastor. One pastor once had a dream to go to the Holy Land for a tour. So, he planned the vacation to go to the Middle East to go to Jerusalem. So he made the plans, he made the payments, because he wanted to walk where Jesus walked. Amen? And so he made some plans, and he loved his family so much that he took them, including his mother-in-law. Well, they were having an amazing vacation, taking pictures, and seeing all of these great historic places that they studied in the Bible. But all of a sudden, unfortunately, his mother-in-law fell deathly sick. The hospital and the doctors in Jerusalem, they did their best to save her, but unfortunately she passed. So the pastor wanted to make sure that he could send her body back to the States to get a proper burial, right? Well, he went to the American consulate in Jerusalem, and he talked with the consul there, and he took his mother-in-law's death certificate with him, and he went to go make arrangements. So the consul informed the pastor that it was very expensive to send a body back to the States. As a matter of fact, it could cost anywhere from five to $10,000. Mm. That'll put a hit on the pocketbook, won't it? Well, the consul told him in most cases, the person responsible for the remains normally decides to just bury him right here in Jerusalem, and that would only cost him anywhere from 100 to $250. Well, the pastor took a minute to pray about it, he took a minute before he gave his answer, and finally he said, I don't care how much it will cost to send my precious mother-in-law back to the States. That's what I want to do. 
Well, the consul said, you must have really loved your mother-in-law very much considering the difference in the price. Pastor said, no, that's not it. You see, I know of a man of a case many, many years ago that was buried in Jerusalem and he rose again on three days. So I want to make sure, <laughs> I want to make sure that she's well taken care of. Got you on that one. All seriousness though, folks, I, I do not want to spend all of our time together here cracking mother-in-law jokes. Uh, because there are plenty. But the truth of the matter is, is that I adore my mother-in-law. And many of you here today love your mother-in-laws. Some of you may not, but others maybe not as much. But the folks, you realize this, is when you marry somebody, you get their family too. For better or for worse. And so in today's passage, we see Jesus carry out an amazing miracle. An amazing healing. And a lesson with the Apostle Peter's mother-in-law. So even by that, we know that Peter was married because he had a mother-in-law. But may we see what God's Word has for us today. Let's pray. God, thank You so much for Your Word, Lord, and how it ministers to us, Lord. And all joking aside, Lord, You have given Jesus the opportunity to heal this precious woman. And there is something in this story that someone here needs today. So may You speak. And may You work. And may You keep the distractions at bay through Your power and through Your Spirit. For it's in Your name we pray. Amen. Well, we're going to begin reading in Matthew chapter 8, verses 14 through 17. It's talking about Jesus healing many people. When Jesus arrived in Peter's house, Peter's mother-in-law was sick in bed with a high fever. But when Jesus touched her hand, the fever left her. Then she got up and prepared a meal for him. That evening, many demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. He cast out evil spirits with a simple command, and he healed all the sick. This fulfilled the word of the Lord through the prophet Isaiah that said, He took our sickness and removed our diseases. The first thing that we can find in this passage is that minor miracles are major when you need them. Minor miracles are major when you need them. Like I know plenty of times somebody will tell me about a procedure that they're going to have and, and they'll say, oh, no, you don't need to worry about it. It's not a big deal. Just pray for me. And, and I do. I pray for them. But I'll tell you what. It's not a minor procedure if you're the one having the procedure carried out on. I mean, it's, it's some things, minor things, minor miracles are major when you need them. Look at verse 14 again. It says, when Jesus arrived at Peter's house, Peter's mother-in-law was sick in the bed with a high fever. Folks, this was not a by-chance meeting. Jesus made a beeline. Peter may not even have known it, but Jesus had a divine appointment with Peter's mother-in-law. And so, seeing the needs of others compels us to get Jesus to them. We see in another account of the story that Andrew, Peter's brother, actually is the one that brought Jesus there and told him about it. And if you know, in Luke 4, 38, which is the same account of this, it says, Please heal her, everyone begged. Everyone was begging Jesus to heal this mother-in-law. It was not uncommon in those days for entire families to live under one roof. Not only just your nuclear family, but the, the attended families, everybody just living under the same roof. And so when it says 
that there was a high fever, it's not like you and I taking the Tylenol and going to bed. The high fever meant that this was serious. It meant that this mother-in-law was on the brink of death. And it literally could have been caused by something like malaria that was prominent back in those days. But again, in these three miracles of the leper, the lawman, and the in-law, we see a theme. We see a theme of a word that the church uses a lot called intercession. Can you say intercession? Very good. I knew you could. What is intercession? Intercession means interceding for somebody, going to Jesus on the behalf of somebody else. And so we see that Jesus arrived at Peter's house because someone interceded for her. Also, Jesus sees you regardless of your status. We have seen in the last two messages and in today, there was an element of of culture. There was an element of racism. It wasn't necessarily black and white or brown or yellow, but it was between those who were Jewish and those who were not Jewish. And so we see in this passage that there was the fact that the the big social divide here was (gasps) she was a woman. Oh, you precious ladies looked at me like, you better spread light, preacher. And look, but it, it's, no, it's no secret that women in that day did not hold very high positions. Their purpose was to bear children, to take care of their husbands and homes. Philip Yancey, though, he comments, he says, For women and other oppressed people, Jesus turned upside down the accepted wisdom of the day. So, to go to this lady, to go to this woman, who most people would have said, you know, as a Jewish man, you don't need to waste your time with this. He saw her as precious. And by the way, as you look in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you're going to find something very interesting. That only angels and women, only angels and women serve Jesus in the Gospels. No matter what your status is this morning, in the world's eyes, or the situation you are in, Jesus looks at you. Jesus loves you. And Jesus, He does want to forgive you of your sins. I'll tell you what, the gospel of Jesus Christ did the more for the women's movement than anybody ever did. Because the gospel of Jesus Christ says that you are worthy regardless of your race, regardless of your gender, regardless of your sin, regardless of your physical condition. You are worthy enough to die for. And that was major for her. The second thing we see in the second half of verse 15 is that Jesus shows great care for the hurting. Jesus shows great care for the hurting. It says, but when Jesus touched her, the fever left her. Folks, Jesus modeled compassion. If you are a Christian and you say, well, my spiritual gift is not compassion. Compassion is not a spiritual gift. Compassion is something that we all must do as believers in Jesus Christ. Because we are supposed to act like him. And Jesus modeled it. If you put these three accounts of healing of the mother-in-law together from Luke and from Mark and from Matthew, you get a 3D view of this, this healing. In Luke, we see it says that Jesus was standing beside her. 
In the King James Version, it says that he was standing over her. Now, I don't know about you, but if someone says so-and-so has a fever and it's contagious and I want you to come pray for him, I'm going to have to take a minute. I'm going to have to make sure that there's every kind of gown and, and gap and everything else in the world to try to make it better because I don't want to take anything home with me. You know what I mean? But yet Jesus, he didn't care. He didn't care if she was sick. He knelt over her. He knelt beside her bed. And in Mark, it says that he took her by the hand. He even helped her to sit up. And then, of course, in Matthew, it says he touched her by the hand. As someone who does a lot of hospital visits, I know what a little compassion can do for somebody who is ill. I've said it before and I'll say it again. You would be amazed at how many people want to show the preacher their scar in the hospital. And hey, if you want to show me to make you feel better, that's great. But does it sound like Jesus was getting things done or doing things on a whim? This just wasn't a happen chance thing. Jesus actually got close to her. Jesus grabbed her hand and Jesus helped her. Does this sound like an uncompassionate, unwilling overload of a God? No, this sounds like somebody that is interested in you. Somebody that is interested in me, regardless of what clothes you wear, regardless of your hairstyle, regardless of the thickness of your wallet, if you even have one, regardless of your race, regardless of your creed. You could even hate him and he will still reach out to you. Folks, never think that you are too sick or that Jesus is unwilling to help you in your worst of circumstances. Because that's the furthest thing from the truth. And he proves it right here. Not only that, Jesus bore Peter's mother-in-law's unclean status. In that day, she wouldn't have been allowed to go to church. She wouldn't have been allowed to worship. She wouldn't have been allowed out of the house because she had a fever. She was deemed as unclean. Just like the leper would have to shout, unclean, unclean, unclean. Anytime somebody would come near him. Folks, I don't know about you, but I hate being unclean. I hate when people think, oh, there's the preacher. He's been sick. I don't want to touch his hand. I won't get anywhere around him. And y'all have it too. I mean, bless your hearts, those of you that have families, you know, the flu, the flu or congestion or whatever, they don't run through the whole house. And some of you, it's made its way. Some of you are still living with it. I mean, it's brutal. But the thing is, is that in the Jewish culture there, if you had a cold, if you were sick, you were deemed as unclean. And so here, not only Jesus could have just said, be healed, and she'd have been healed. But no, he touched her. Here's the significance. He touched her in her unclean status to make her clean. My friend, you think that you're too sinful for Jesus to love. You think that you've done something so awful that Jesus couldn't love you. He proves otherwise because it is his holiness that absorbs your cleanliness and pays for the penalty of your sins and mine. Jesus bears your sin in mind of this day. Let me show you two quick scripture references that illustrate this great. Now, I'll put the references on the screen and uh, you can just listen along. Isaiah 53, 5, 1 through 5. Again, this was written, written way before Jesus died on the cross. And it says here, Who has believed our message? To whom the Lord has revealed His powerful arm? 
My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in a dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or magical about his appearance. Nothing really attracted us to him. He was despised and he was rejected. A man of sorrows acquainted with deepest grief. When he turned our backs on when we turned our backs on him and looked the other way, he was despised and we did not care. And then it says in verse four. Yet it was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God when actually they were a punishment of our sin. But he was pierced for our rebellion. When it says he was pierced for our rebellion, if you go look at the crucifixion, that's where they pierced Jesus' side to make sure that he was dead. It's where they drove the nails into his hands, into his feet. His body had holes in him because of your sin and mine. And it says in verse 5, but he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be whole. He was whipped. So we could be healed. Other translations say, by his stripes we are healed. Why do people get so emotional during Easter and when we start talking about the crucifixion? Because if they're like anybody else, they realize it was, you realize it was your sin. I realize it was my sin that put him on the cross. He bore it. Just as he bore the mother-in-law's illness. He bears your sin and bears mine. 1 Peter 2.24 says, he personally carried out sins in his body on the cross so that we could be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds we are healed. Folks, if you are a believer today, be thankful for what Jesus has done for you. And thank him for the punishment that he bore for your sin on your behalf. I would encourage you, especially, I know a majority of you in here at some point have prayed to receive Christ in your life, whether it be at a young age or as an old age. There may be somebody here that is still searching. There may be somebody here that is still mad at God. There may be somebody here that still feels unworthy to be loved by God. But let me tell you this. Never lose the weight of the sacrifice that Jesus made for your sin. Because, unfortunately, those of us who have been Christians for a long time, we think we're not as bad as everybody else. But the truth of the matter is, our sin stinks just as, mad, just as bad as somebody else. Jesus gave his life so that we could be healed from sin. We give Jesus our life in return. And for that, he grants us eternal life. Folks, do not live a casual Christian life. Do not just kind of go along the way and, and do what you want and, and not really live for Jesus, but kind of live for the world, because that is just spitting on the commitment and the sacrifice that Jesus made. Jesus gave us all of his life. Is it not fair that he deserves ours in return? Peter's mother-in-law was healed. She was cleansed. And maybe this morning and in this moment, you need to give Jesus the brush and the Clorox of his atoning blood to cleanse your life and to cleanse your sins. Third thing, those who are healed by Jesus... Serve Him. Those that are healed by Jesus, serve Him. Verse 15, the second half says, Then she got up and prepared a meal for Him. Here's my question. Why do so many today claim to be saved by Jesus, 
but never change their ways. I've got some people on my heart that have prayed to receive Christ, but done nothing with it. There has been no change. I have people on my heart that claim to be Christian, but their behavior does not match that up. And, and I'm not saying that I'm better than them because I have my moments too. We all do. But I'm just saying that if we love Jesus, we should serve Him. And we see this here because it says right after that, she got up and made Him a meal. Why? She was on the brink of death and she got up and made Him a meal. Here's the thing, folks. Check this out. Y'all believe in the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, right? Amen. He resurrected from the dead. He resurrected Lazarus from the dead. And one day, He is going to resurrect this earth from the dead. One day, He is going to resurrect His believers from the dead. That resurrection power, we get a glimpse of it here because I don't know about you, but you know, there's people on TV that try to do a healing and they'll, they'll hit them on the head or throw a coat on them or blow on them or whatever else. And all of a sudden, they'll get up and they'll, they'll stand around like this and, and they'll have a good old time. And look, look, if you've got a friend or you know somebody that's been hit like that, Praise God, He gets the glory. But I'm going to tell you what. When Jesus healed this lady, there was no stumbling. There was no recovery. There was no waiting period. She got up and cooked Him a meal. So not only did He heal her, He restored her strength. Some of you today, your strength is gone because you've been fighting your life and your own strength and your own sin. And He's saying, let me take it. I will renew you and I will give you My strength instead. Those who are healed by Jesus, serve Him. uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17 I've got this reference up there so you can see it as well. 5.17 says, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old is gone. A new life has begun. I have people that ask me all the time, How do I know that I'm saved? I will say, A, did you pray to give Jesus Christ? Your life and forgive you of your sins. And B, how is your life different? And if your life is not different, all you did is say some words. Romans 12, 2 says, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. I remember in my life, the things that brought me happiness didn't bring me happiness anymore. The things that made me feel better about myself didn't make me feel better anymore. I realized that I've been living a lot. I realized that all the problems that I tried to drink away could swim. I realized that all of the people I was trying to please didn't matter. I realized that I had made a mess of my life. And I remember as a teenager sitting, looking in the mirror of the bathroom and saying, God, if you're real, save me. And I didn't have like angels come down. I didn't have the sky split. But I just, I pictured that I was at rock bottom and praise God the bottom was solid. And over the, the course of a few things, a few youth events and stuff like that, I did come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. But I do believe that that was a start. And am I perfect now? No. Just because i got pastor before my name or reverend does not mean that I'm any better than any one of you. A Christian should not act like everyone else. Christians are called to be holy and set apart for God's use. Not perfect, but not hypocritical either. Not judgmental, but real. 
we see that Jesus heals completely and instantly. And Jesus asks you and I to serve him. Let me ask you something. Why do you work to put food on the table for your family? Why do you work hard to make sure your children have clothes? Why do you work hard enough to make sure that you have a little bit of spending money in your pocket? It's the American dream, right? No. You work because you love them. You work because you have to. You work because you love. And if we love Jesus, we will work for him. I don't know if you remember, but Jesus said, here's how you can tell if people love me. They do what my father asked them. How do you know you love Jesus? You do the things that God asks you to do. And I remember one of the greatest fallen people of all time, Peter himself. He's the one that denied Jesus three times. Do you remember what Jesus' response was to him for every time that he denied him? Peter denied him three times. And then Jesus and Peter have the interchange of, Peter, do you love me? Do you remember what Jesus said to him? Feed my sheep. Feed my lambs. Feed my sheep. If we love Jesus, we are going to do his will. Last but not least, Jesus is the Messiah. Verses 16 through 17. It says that evening, many demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. He cast out the evil spirits with the simple command, and he healed all the sick. I kind of think it's like, you know when the fair comes to the civic center? And there are cars everywhere, and there are people everywhere, and there are rides, and you can't get anywhere. All the restaurants are full. I mean, that's what was going on. I mean, people were bringing people to Jesus so they could get healed. And it says, this fulfillment, this fulfilled the word of God, the Lord, to the prophet Isaiah, who said, he took our sickness and removed our diseases. Folks, do you see the reason Jesus healed the mother-in-law. The reason Jesus healed these demon-possessed people that were brought to him was to let people know by what he did that he is the Messiah that was prophesied so long before that. In his healing, we see four things. Number one, in his healing, we see, as I said earlier, intercession. The intercession of interceding on behalf of others. We also see service. Folks, serving God is not an attempt to earn his love. We've already got that. We serve God out of the gratitude of what he's done for us. Transparency. Folks, being a Christian does not exempt us from sickness. I'm sorry, but there are dedicated Christians that get cancer. There are dedicated Christians that have their lives turned upside down. We're not exempt because we live in an evil in a sinful world. And I don't know how. And I don't know why. And I don't know when. But God does. That when those things happen. Just like the mother-in-law. Those things that were meant to kill us. Can provide opportunities. For us to be faithful. And to show God's glory through them. Folks. Some of your greatest needs. Like the mother-in-law. Some of your greatest needs. Are under your own roof. Under your own circle. In your own family. Show them Jesus. Folks, you can trust Jesus with the greatest needs today. 
Because he is who he said he is. He's who he said he was. And he is a fulfillment of all we have been waiting for. You can trust Jesus today. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for our passage today. Thank you for the faith of the mother-in-law, the faith of her family, but most of all, the love of Jesus, the Lord. He proves in his word and he proves to us today that he is the Messiah and the one that we look to for power. So, Lord, it is my prayer today if there's one here that has felt like they need healing, a forgiveness of sins. The Lord, they need to know you as their healer and their Lord. That they could come forward in just a moment. And I'll be glad to pray with them. And we can know beyond a shadow of a doubt today that when they walk out of this place, that they are yours. Maybe there's somebody here that's just struggling and wants to come to the altar and pray or pray right where they're at. Maybe they want to grab the hand of a friend and come down front and pray. Or join the church and be baptized. Whatever the decision may be, Lord, you will move. And I'll step out of the way, Lord. For it's in your name I pray. Amen.